Um, we're going to continue in our "It's Your Move" series, and um, and and this is a this series is all about you taking the next step to grow. See, just as you heard in Tyler's testimony that God has called him deeper, God has called him to step out in his faith, and is leading him. Our vision as a church is upward, outward, forward. Upward being that every single person that walks through the doors of this church, whether you're brand new or whether you've been here 50 or 60 years, that every single person will grow in their faith, will become who's, who God is calling them to be. And so this, this series is It's Your Move, and it revolves around growth track. That's our way of helping you grow. And so growth track, we've been talking about it, and basically the idea behind it is it doesn't matter how long you've been here, there is a next step. You are never too old, too smart, too experienced to grow in your faith. And it's God's will that you would grow. So two weeks ago, we're, we're looking through the book of Ephesians, and two weeks ago, we started in Ephesians chapter 1, and we found out that before creation, God chose us in Christ. We were chosen. We were chosen. You are loved. You were created for God's glory. You weren't created just to walk around and waste your years. You were created. You were chosen by the Creator God, by Almighty God in Christ. And through the sacrifice of Jesus, we are adopted into God's family. So the first week we talked about discovering, and maybe there are some of you in here that your place in the journey, your place in moving is that you are discovering God's love for you. You are discovering who you are in Christ. Last week we were in Ephesians chapter 2. And Paul is writing to the church, and so the first one, he, we discover who we are in Christ, that we were chosen, that we're adopted, and then, and then Ephesians chapter 2 really focuses on, on, do you remember the word from last week? What was the word last week? Together. All right, first service got a little bit better than you guys did. Together, that we are being built together into God's holy temple. The, the church is not just a building it's not just that we come here to experience God, but that we, as we grow in our faith, are being built together into God's holy temple, and that the very Spirit of God is alive and living in us together. This week, we're moving on to the third part, Ephesians chapter 3, and, and the theme this week is grow. So, last night or yesterday, we had the opportunity to go with our family, and we went to Kings Island. Do any of you like to go to Kings Island? And, and as a father, I've got four boys. We've gone through this with every single one of the boys, but we, we hit a milestone last night. So we've been going to Kings Island for quite a while, and last night we went, and Jack, our youngest, um, he is just now tall enough to ride all of the rides in the kiddie park. So for the longest time, we've, we've stayed at like the little, you know, the the really boring rides where they just like take you up a little bit really slowly and bring you down. And last night, we went to the Flying Ace, the yellow one. It's the tallest one in the children's park. And Jack is just tall enough, I mean, just by the hair on his head to ride on it. And so I said, Jack, you want to ride this with us? And Jack was like, no, Daddy. 
Now, let's just stick to that stuff, you know, the lower stuff, the slower stuff. No, I don't want to do that. I said, Jack, no, you don't understand. This is amazing. You're going to love this. And he said, no, I want nothing to do with this. I said, just, so I'm, I'm trying to course. I said, just walk on this ride with us, you know, just walk with us. And so we walk in and I start working on him. And, and what, what does dad do when, when his son won't ride the ride? I bribed him. I said, if you ride this, we'll get you a little car. And he, he said, oh, okay, daddy. And, he, and I picked him up and he is clenching me so tight. And I mean, he will not let go. His head's on my shoulder and I'm like, oh, it's gonna be great. You're gonna love it and we're gonna get you a car. And he's like, okay. And we got him buckled into this seat. And the way this is, you're sitting and your legs are dangling and it takes you up to the top. And he's sitting in the seat and he is gripping for dear life because he's terrified. And the ride gets going, and he's still terrified, but he's loving it. See, you need to know about Jack. He, he's my youngest, but every time we drive in the car, especially if we're driving a little bit fast, he'll say, Dad, go faster, go faster. See, I knew that Jack would love that ride, and we got off the ride, and we're walking off, and he says, this is my favorite ride. <laughs> And I thought, man, there is so much. One, one of my favorite parts of being a dad is getting to, to experience things like that with my kids. And a little bit later, I got to go on Orion, the, the new roller coaster. Have any of you been on that? Oh, wow, okay, you gotta get on that. We, I went on, it was Sam's first time, Eli had been on it once, and it was my first time. And, and I'm just gonna be really honest with you. I'm walking up to this 300 plus foot roller coaster, and I'm looking up at it, and I'm thinking, I kind of like those smaller rides, those slower rides. That seatbelt doesn't look like it's going to hold me in. And we get up there and we get on it, and, and I'm not going to lie to you, I was a little bit terrified. And all of a sudden, we hit that hill and we go down, and I was like, "Woo! this is amazing. It was incredible, but it was so awesome. I, and I just, I think about my kids, and, I, and I, every time we go to a place like that, and we say, come on, just go on this ride. Come on, just come with us. And they say, no, we're terrified. And we say, you're gonna love it. And then they do it. There is so much more. There's so much more. And it's pretty awesome that at my age, I'm still experiencing cool new things. And so that, that's my mindset as a parent is, come on, you're going to love this. There's so much more. Don't stay in that part. Take a step. Take your next step and experience something different and new. That's where our scripture is today. Ephesians 3, Paul is writing back to the church. He's spent time as a missionary and a pastor in Ephesus. And he's writing this letter back to the church and if I could summarize chapter three, I would summarize it by saying, there is so much more. Don't stay in the, the kiddie place. Don't stay on the comfortable, smaller things. There is so much more. And so Paul is writing back to the church and, and this is gonna be circulated around chapter three. It starts with him just revealing God's purpose that God wants the church to grow, that God wants the church to be unified. And, and then we get to verse 14 and we get one of the greatest prayers we have in scripture. That's where we're at today. So I want you to just follow along on the screen as I read this. This is Paul's prayer for the church that he loves so much. He is writing this prayer from prison back to the church that he loves. So here it is. For this reason, I kneel before the Father 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What an incredible prayer. What an incredible, as a pastor, I think about this prayer, and, and Paul is in prison looking back at ministry. These people that he's given his heart and his life to, and he's looking back and he's saying, this is why I kneel. This is why I come before God. This is what I pray for you. So let's, let's work through it, because there is a, this is, I, I believe this is God's heart for us today. Verse 16. Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He starts by saying, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. Anybody know anyone rich? Anybody? Raise your hand if you know someone rich. Okay, so I've, I've told you this before, but like a few years ago, one of my childhood friends, I don't keep in t contact with him, he sold his oil business down in Texas for multi-billion dollars. Like billions, with an S at the end, billions of dollars. And, and what do you think when, when you know someone that's really rich or when you come in contact with someone that's really rich? I, I'll tell you what I thought. Maybe, maybe this is wrong of me. But I thought, you got all of these riches. You could spare a little bit, right? I mean, if you would just spare a little bit, it would change my life. And I didn't call him, I didn't ask, I wouldn't do that, but, but that's kind of the thought. He's, he's got riches beyond what I will ever understand, and I'm just like, just a little bit would change my life. And Paul says, according to his glorious riches, listen, billions of dollars I will never understand. But listen to me, God is rich far beyond any person or anything in this world. God created it. Think about all of the wealth that exists. It's all God's. And not just wealth, power, glory, it's all God's. And so Paul says, I pray that out of your glorious riches that you would strengthen the people with power. Here's the, here's the cool thing. I think about that friend, and I think, if you would just give me a little bit. But, but Paul is saying, he's not just saying, just give them a little bit of your power. Paul is saying, God, you are rich beyond what we will ever understand. Pour it out on your church, on your people. God has unlimited, unlimited, unknowable riches. And Paul's prayer is that out of those riches, he would strengthen us with power through his spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. So last week, what was our word? Together. 
We together are being built into the holy temple, and we are being made into a dwelling place for God's Holy Spirit. And so he says, I pray that out of your glorious riches, that you would strengthen them with power and your, with, through your spirit in their inner being so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. I, I love this. His prayer starts with God's power coming to us so that we can have faith. Listen to me really carefully here. You can try to build your faith on your own all you want. You can show up to church all you want. You can read all you want. You can do any of that stuff you want. You cannot, on your own, experience the fullness of Christ, the fullness of the Spirit. It is only out of the glorious riches that God has that he pours out through his Spirit that we can even have faith in him. And so Paul prays, give them some of your riches, give them all your riches, pour it out, that they would have power, that your spirit would dwell through faith. Lasting faith is only made possible through the power of God. Anything else, anything we try to do will not last. And he goes on and he says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, Let's talk about this. This is important for us as the church to understand, that you being rooted and established in love. There are a lot of things that you can root and establish your life in. There are a lot of different things. You can, you can root and establish your life in your behavior, you can root and establish your life in your own righteousness and goodness, you can root and establish your life in success, in wealth, in finances, you can root and establish yourself in yourself. Paul prays that we would be rooted and established in love. There's a good example of this in Scripture. The Pharisees, who were religious people, they were rooted and established not in God's love, they were rooted and established in their own righteousness, their own works. And what we see in Scripture is when Jesus shows up and the love of God and the work of God is happening and Jesus is healing and Jesus is doing miracles, the people that are rooted in their own self-righteousness and works can't get it. They actively fight against it, against what God's doing because they're not rooted and established in love. It's God's will that his church would be rooted and established in his love. This week I've had several meetings with people and, and you know, we don't always all agree on everything, do we? And we don't always have perfect circumstances, do we? And sometimes things happen that are difficult, but one thing that I know for a fact is if we, the church, we, God's people, are rooted and established in his love, that stuff won't ruin our faith. And I had wonderful meetings that we could have struggles and difficulties and we could grow through them because we're not rooted and established on my opinion or what I think is right, but in love. Paul prays, I pray that you would be rooted and established in love. If we're rooted and established in anything other than God's love, 
our faith will not last, it'll be worthless. If we're established and rooted in God's love, nothing, nothing will shake us from being God's holy people. He goes on and says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. So that we would be rooted and established in his love and that we would have power together with all the Lord's holy people. So, so I, I want to give you a picture. Um, Pastor Jay preached a few months ago and he used an example that I read again this week and, and I just thought it was the perfect example of this. Have any of you ever seen the redwood trees out in California? Three, like tallest trees in the world. They grow over 300 feet, or if you're measuring by Kings Island terms, over the Orion roller coaster. That's how tall they are. How deep do you think their roots go? Most of the time we think that if something's gonna be that tall, it's gotta have super deep roots, right? The roots of a redwood tree do not even go 10 feet down into the ground. 300 feet tall, roots are less than 10 feet deep. But you know how their roots work? Their roots go down a little bit and they stretch out and they tangle up with other roots and there is this system, there is this community, there is this family of roots that holds up all of these giant trees. That's the picture that we get here. That we would have the power together to be rooted in God's love. That we would be established in his love. That our roots would grow together, not just deep, but wide. And that we would grow stronger and stronger and be established in his love. Paul's prayer is that we would be filled with the power of God so that we could be the holy dwelling place of the Almighty God, and that we would be, have the power together, rooted and established in love, and it's going to go on to say to know the love of God. But I just want to make something really, really clear to us today. We will know the love of God most fully together. You will never have the same depth of faith and love and knowledge of God on your own that you will have together. We are made to be the holy dwelling place of God together. And so we're rooted and established in love and we're growing together in Christ. We are our strongest together. And it goes on to say that we would have the power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. I find this fascinating. Paul's main prayer for the church, these people that he loves, these people that he's poured his life into, his main prayer is that they would have the power, they would be filled with the Spirit, they would grow together, they would be rooted and established in love, and they would have the power to know God's love. You would think that Paul would pray for something else for the people, his main prayer. You would think a guy that's in prison writing to the church would maybe pray, hey, I pray God that you would protect them so that they don't end up where I'm at. Wouldn't you think that would be high on Paul's list? 
protect them, keep them safe from the dangers that I, that's not what he prays. He prays that they would know God's love. We have this awesome moment. Why, 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 does, why does Paul pray for knowing God's love as opposed to protection? Because we know and Paul knows that God's love, that we are better off in prison, we are better off tortured, we are better off hurting, but knowing that we are loved by the Almighty God than we are being super comfortable in our nice little churches and not experiencing the fullness of God. That's why he doesn't pray for protection first, because the most important thing is knowing God's love for us, and if we know God's love for us, we can get through anything. We can thrive in anything. You would think he would pray for success. Oh, that your church would be flourishing, that it would be great and people would be flocking there. His prayer is that they would grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and that they would know this love that surpasses knowledge. Acts 16, there's this really cool moment where Paul and Silas are in prison together. They're in prison, they're struggling, they're suffering. And all of a sudden, there's an earthquake, and the doors open, and it says that the guard was afraid for his life because he just knew that when the doors open of a prison, what happens? The prisoners run. That's not what happened. It says that Paul cries out and says, hey, we're right here. Because Paul wasn't worried about the prison. Paul knew God's love. And you know what was happening when that earthquake hit? He was praising God and testifying to God's love. So Paul knows, he's in prison writing this letter and he knows that the most important thing is that we know God's love and we know who we are in Christ. So he prays that they would grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Let's, let's just talk for a second about God's love. Sometimes I think we in the church talk about God's great love as if it's this mythical thing. Sometimes I think we look at God's love as this great thing and we forget that God's love is real and it's available to us. Have you ever just stood on the beach and looked out at the ocean or been in a boat in the middle of the ocean and looked around and all you could see is water? Or have you ever looked up in the sky and just thought about how infinite the, the stars and the galaxies are? Have you ever thought about just how great the ocean or the sky is? And, and I think about those things, and, and like to me, the ocean is so vast. I know it's huge. I know it's deep and wide and all of those things. And, and that's how we feel about God's love sometimes. But, but here's the thing. God's love is real. It's not just something for us to think about. It's not just something for us to dream about. It's not just something for us to know that it's great. God's love is real, and God's will is that we would know, not just mentally, but we would experience His love. It says to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. What does that mean? The word know there that's used, 
It doesn't just mean to be aware of. It doesn't just mean to mentally know. It means to experience, to know through experience. So God's will is not, God's love is not just great. God's will is not that we would just say, oh, God loves us. God's will is that we would experience his unlimited love for us, that we would grasp how high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ, and we would know it because we experience it. That's how God's love works, and it's fully available to us. So Paul's great prayer for the church isn't for protection first, it isn't for success first, it isn't that they would have everything they've ever wanted. His big prayer is that the Spirit, the power of God would fill the people with His Spirit so they can be the holy dwelling place and that they together, rooted and established in love, would grow to know through experience God's amazing love. That's His prayer. It goes on in verse 19, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Let me read that again for you. So we talked a little bit earlier about the amazing, glorious riches of God, how great God is, how how high and deep and wide and long. We, We talk about how great God is. Listen to this, verse 19, that you would know God's love, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Is that blowing anyone else's minds out there? Is anybody else really grasping this? This is, this is incredible. God's will for the church is not just to play church. God's will for the church is not just to come in and sing songs. God's will for the church is not just to be good Christians. God wants us to be full of his glory. Way too often, we settle for something so much less than God has for us. We look at the great things around us and we say, oh, we wanna stick with with these things that are comfortable. For far too many Christians, their faith in Christ is about what we sing on Sunday morning. For far too many Christians, their faith in Christ is about behavior, that I just don't do the wrong things. For far too many Christians, our, our faith is about just being a better person than the people around us. And I think God is saying today, you don't get it. There's so much more. Paul's prayer and God's will That's the beautiful thing about this prayer. It's an extravagant prayer, but listen, this is God's will. God's will is that we would be filled with all the fullness of the creator God. His glorious riches that we would be full of it. That we would reflect the glory of the almighty God. We can't settle for less. Our faith can't be about comfort, it can't be about behavior, it can't be about songs, it's gotta be about being filled with the Spirit of God. There's so much more. And God is calling us deeper. God is calling us to know through experience His great 
love for us. And the world needs the church to be filled with the fullness of God. Paul's prayer is that we would know his love more because if we know his love more, we will be full. You know what I think God wants to see in the church? I think God wants to see the glorious riches lived out. I think the God that parts the seas and the God that heals the lame and the God that does miracles wants to see the church heal. I think the God of miracles wants to see miracles in the church. I think the God of love and forgiveness and grace wants to see forgiveness and love and grace in his church. And when the world sees us, they should see the fullness of God on display. So we have a next step. We have growing to do. We need to be filled with his power and his spirit so that we can grow together, rooted and established in his love so that we can know more and more who he is and how much he loves us so that we can be full of his glory. Is that where you're at today? I don't want anyone walking out of here settling for just another Sunday. I saw a sign this week at a church. It said where, where normal weekends turn into extraordinary weekends. And I thought, God has so much more than extraordinary weekends for you. God has his power and his grace and his love and his riches that he wants to pour out. Don't settle for something less.